the 442 World Cup Insider Special in association with Adidas, proud partners of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello again and welcome to our special edition podcast uh, in association with Adidas. Woo-hoo! World Cup Insider. World Cup. Yeah. Bring it on. And uh, this is a bit of a special one. We haven't done something like this before. So uh, we're going to be looking at um, Adidas's influence on the World Cup. Uh, big sporting sponsor. And uh, we, we all know their boots and their three stripes. And uh, some great goals scored in their boots and some great players wearing them. And we're going to uh, have a look at the World Cup with our um, Adidas glasses on, so to speak. So, lads. Good job it's Adidas, really, isn't it? If it had been Patrick. Struggle. struggle to get ten great yeah. World Cup goals. One less stripe as well with Patrick. Indeed. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll stick to the to the Addy and the three stripes. And, and lads, the first thing I wanted to um, chat about was um, speed. Speed seems to be um, a big part of the game in many different areas. And uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, some of the ways that speed is affecting our game at the moment. First up, um, I suppose, is, is the boots. Everyone uh, sees the adverts uh, for the newest and the fastest boots that give you, uh, you know, seven percent more speed or, or accuracy with the ball. Um, how do you think? You know, we've we've had a lot of the boots in and we've tried them all out. How do you think that the the boots have contributed to players' speed on the pitch? Um, I certainly, I certainly think it's the combination of you know overall sort of fitness from the players, which you'd say is you know even in even in our generation has improved immeasurably. Um, but then you know the technology is there you know to help them now you know and, and it is a game where you know five seven percent is is a big increase you know if people are you know if everyone is is fit and you know and can cover ground on the same then that five percent could be the difference between getting to the ball first or not. You know, if, if you're a striker, it could be the difference between a shot on goal and a shot being blocked. So I think all over the park, um, speed has become, you know, the biggest thing. You speak to a lot of ex-players now who just can't believe how quick the game is, you know. And when you see the the, the professional game these days in the English Premier League, you know, it, it's probably the quickest league in the world. I think everyone, whether it's the best or not, we can still debate, but certainly the quickest. And the, the the need for players' reaction times, first touch, and the speed of their passing has just got to be so spot on these days, and that it is probably the biggest difference in the in the game. Mm. It's a bit of a chicken and egg uh, kind of situation, Trev. Is in the sense that the the Adidas boot is the the F50, which is their speed boot, um, and you see players like Lionel Messi, uh, Jermaine Defoe, and, and and other kind of World Cup players. They always seem to be the fast players. So are they fast because they're wearing the boots, or is it is it the other way around, or a, a bit of both, isn't it? It's it's a bit of both. Yeah, I mean, like the top players can get up to 33 kilometres an hour on the pitch. Which is scary, isn't it? How, you know, Statman's, uh, Statman's already <laughs> blinding us. I wouldn't mind that speed on most of my drive home from work. <laughs> I'm that. Getting around Sydney. And I think, you know, speed's one of those things that no defender likes facing. And it's one of the most difficult things to defend against, isn't it? Because, you know, if there's a mistake, the quickest player's going to get to the ball first. I always remember with, um, you know, watching some young players that, that come through when they make mistakes, particularly defenders. But if they've got the pace to get back there and make up for their mistake, it kind of gets them out of jail for a while. Yeah. And as players get older and lose some of that pace, they have to completely adapt to their game. So, you know, if any, <coughs> any advantage you can get 
on the speed front is um, yeah very very important. Now, you also have to have a bit, fair bit of about you to to wear the F50s because they tend to come in the most garish colours. So yeah, you need to be someone that doesn't get caught easily if you're wearing bright green boots or bright yellow boots. And also uh, for for this year the uh, the F50 Chameleon. The Addy Zero Chameleon, which is the Lionel Messi boot, which changes colour as uh, depending on where you are with the light. Isn't I think it? yeah, the light reflects on it, and it kind of you know you see one of those sort of transfer things, you sort of flip from side to side, and you'll yeah. see. A different I think images. it's because a chameleon can change its colours. I, I think, I think that though. yeah, I think yeah. that's where it has. But um, one of the other things that, that that is involved with speed is is the ball. And Trev, you have a, uh, a long and loving association with this uh, new World Cup football, the Jabalani. Yep. Uh, went over to Germany and I saw them. took me over to their German village. Yes, and you saw the ball bounce several hundred times, true, and water retention and all like that. What, what do you think of the ball? Oh, the ball's great. Yeah, I absolutely love it. You know, in terms of how far they've come with it and, you know, people say about development it's rounder than ever and, and what have you but the amount of tests they put it through it's quite incredible um, and in terms of how it moves through the air and stuff I think it's probably as fair a ball as we've seen and you know it's years in development you know not just the design but everything about it takes years to put together mm. and the final product really is better than, than, than what they've done before so it's also like it is such a big part of the World Cup I think the ball yeah, it's for for saddos like us, you know. It's like I could name every ball, you know. It's like, and yeah, everyone's got their little favourite, mm. and you know, I mean, personally, mine was always like the tango. Tango. A lot of people the say tango, tango don't they? The tango Espana. Yeah. Because um, that's like it's the Spain World Cup was probably the first World Cup that I really sort of really followed and watched every game, and I was playing at that point, and and so I was just had to get the ball, and I I, I like the Jabalani, although I like the. 2006 World Cup mm, as well, yeah. as well but you're a, you're a keeper Andy so you you'd seen it from the other side <laughs> and a few out of there you're normally complaining say, aren't you keepers about the ball I was going to say you let in a long range uh, goal on Friday for with the with the World Cup 2006 ball it so did maybe move that, a bit uh, all over the put yeah. although we weren't really playing at altitude so no, <laughs> I exactly. can't hide behind that <laughs> so we were definitely Park. at sea level there was a big pond there yeah actually on the pitch but um, you know have you noticed those balls move around I remember um, I was t- interviewing Mark Schwartz in my Premier League friend and he was saying how he noticed that the adidas balls do move around a little bit more than say the yeah Nike they ones. do and and it, it, it's interesting is and ronaldo and drogba have, have sort of more recently have seemed to have perfected this tech this straight on technique of striking the ball straight on with with very little sort of sideways movement which would be the normal way you would try and make the ball move either you know, curl it one way or the other. The ball stays still, doesn't it? The ball it, stays the air, still, but it? then seems to wobble and goes both ways. Mm. And it's almost, it's almost like reverse swing and a cricket ball. I don't know why it happens. I mean, there's all sorts of rumours going, oh, does Ronaldo kick the valve? And it's the valve expanding in the ball that causes it to wobble. And no one really knows. But, but I, definitely, there, there are times, even when I've kicked it out of my hands as a keeper and you connect it full on, it does, you know, it does wobble. And, it, and it's one of those things where they have a real sweet spot. And if you catch it on it, it, it certainly travels. Was that your excuse for kicking the ball out so many yeah, times as exactly. a goal kick? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And finally, guys, one thing that I did want to touch upon, uh, and it was something that Andy had mentioned in our in our previous podcast, which goes out um, this week. 
But um, we were talking about counter-attacking football and obviously the speed that you need, both both of thought and of skill, in order to make counter-attacking work. And it seems as though that the it's almost like this possession Barcelona football was is almost dead already from from like last year. I mean, it's still still a very effective way of playing, but it seems like counter-attacking football is the way that a lot of teams are going to play. I think more teams can do counter-attacking, whereas the Barcelona-Spain yeah. thing, people get hung up on how it looks and how effective it is, but pretty much only those two can do it that mm-hmm. effectively. I think it's like yeah, possession is great, but possession without penetration is useless. You know, ha- having the ball is no good unless you can actually break down the team in front of you and create goal-scoring opportunities. Barcelona are one of the few teams that can do both. And, you know, so I think for everyone else, you know, the, the genu- you know, how most teams play these days is they'll allow the opposition to have, you know, possession in areas where it can't hurt them. But then when they do turn the ball over, the objective is to, to with, with two or three passes, get to the other end as quickly as possible um, and get a shot on goal, you know. And, and that's the way a lot of very, very successful teams, Inter Milan being one, have played. You know, and to do that, you need speed over the ground but also you need the ball to travel quickly um, and yeah, forever we see that at the top level pitch has been watered before the, just before the players go on and that is to make the ball you know, zip across the turf get from A to B quicker so that, that, that helps that counter-attacking football That was my, one of my favourite Brian Clough stories old England managers when he went to wet the pitch ahead of a European game and he fell asleep in the stands ended up waterlogging the pitch <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was speaking to the, like, the, you know, the FIFA president or whatever the next day and he just said oh yeah we've got strange weather here you know, sometimes you just get clouds of rain over certain areas <laughs> That, that's our cluffy. But Trevor, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you one other thing. Obviously, with the talk of the speed, um, with the ball and the and the players, obviously the referees have to uh, be able to catch up as well. How do you you know how do you see the referees uh, developing themselves and, and being able to catch up? Is it is it a fact that the human can only go so quick and we need like goal line technology or another? Uh, another referee on the goal line. How, how, how do you see that progressing in the future? Well, if they're not fit enough, Alex Ferguson's not going to be happy about it, as he was. Uh, Jetpacks for referees? Could that be the? <laughs> yeah, it's, t- look, it's a tough job anyway, isn't it? And it's only going to get made tougher when you've got players moving at this speed, moving the ball around, and the game switching from end to end. Um, I think they're considering bringing in this sort of extra goal line judge, aren't they? They've, they've tried out in Wasn't youth, that in the youth tournaments. Cup final. Yeah, a, no, they, a, no, they had it throughout the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I couldn't really understand what that guy was adding behind the goal, you know, it's like okay, well we can help with corners and if the ball's gone over the line. It's just those line but, decisions, I think, isn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah but yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, rugby league over here have trialled, you know, two refs on the pitch, you know, a ref in each half and stuff, and they've also trialled video, you know, video referees. But Adidas have been at the forefront of putting the chip into the ball, haven't they? Yeah, they have trialled in. I think they trialled it in an under twenty. World yep. Cup and FIFA have seemed adamant to keep technology out. I think, um, I, to, to a degree, I understand that because I think football's you know lasted 140 years without technology. But nowadays, there is so much at stake around you know decisions that could be cleared up very quickly with technology. Like, I did the ball cross the line or not? Um, and I think it's only a matter of time before that technology and Adidas, as you say, are at the forefront of that, is implemented because it can be done easily. But that's the only piece of technology that I'd want to see in football is the goal line thing. Yeah. If they could think a way of, of doing it quickly and it didn't hold up you know, the pace of football, that would be the only thing I'd want to see in. Yeah. 
Great stuff, lads. That was a, a look at the modern game and how speed plays its part. Join us after the break as we're going to be having a look at the best goals scored in the World Cup final by Adidas Boots. And there are certainly a few. Where we've all put our heads together and we'll, we'll see what we've come up with. So join us after the break. Adidas is the number one football brand in the world and has been inspired by football ever since the 1920s. The company, founded by Adi Dazzler, has spent over 80 years meeting and exceeding the needs of footballers on the pitch. This dedication to the sport and its close relationships with athletes and teams enabled Adidas to become an integral part of the history, the present and the future of football. And Adidas is a proud partner of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. The 442 World Cup Insider Special, in association with Adidas, proud partners of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome back to this special edition of the 442 Insider Podcast, in association with Adidas. And now we're going to be looking at the best goals in the World Cup final scored with an Adidas boot. And uh, all of us have been uh, racking our brains. Uh, picking our favourite goal. Difficult to narrow it down, I've got to be said. Very difficult. So, Trev, come on, throw out your first one. Are you going to go tell us uh, tell us why and the goal and if it's your top one or if it's one that's uh, somewhere on the list? Didn't quite make number one because it's not as good a goal as number one, but I picked it for other reasons. I mean, I'd have any Zidane goal because I love him so much, but it's the penalty in the 2006 World Cup that he obviously done the cheeky chip underneath the crossbar and it managed to bounce out some people thought it missed but it did fairly go over the line yeah. but just the audacity to try that in a World Cup final you know it, the confidence you must have to have in your own ability to go right I'm going to do this chip that most people try in some you know league game we're already winning 4-0 in yeah. um, was just unbelievable against um, one of the best keepers in the world at yeah. that time wasn't it yeah but I, I, I suppose the, the, perhaps he thought I guess what well, of all the things he thinks I'm going to do he doesn't think I'm going to do one of those cheeky chips <laughs> over the top of him so yeah. in that sense he was guaranteed to, to get it over him but yeah I absolutely love that goal but my number one goal is you know arguably the greatest goal at the World Cup finals ever and it was uh, Carlos Alberto at the 1970 uh, World Cup final mm -hmm. for Brazil against Italy um, and it, it made it 4-1 and it wrapped up that victory and people say that that Brazil 1970 team might be you know the best team ever but that Brazil goal and the Alberto goal was just that combination of you know individual skill and telepathic teamwork that that Brazil team brought together you know they mm -hmm. had the individual skills but they still worked as a team and that last goal highlighted it and I'm not even going to attempt to describe it. I recommend everyone you know, goes on YouTube and watches it. But just the build-up, the Pele layoff, and Alberto coming in and smashing it in. Perfect. Mm. Great stuff. Andy. Is that all um, you got? Well, got we'll, a few. Go for it. I got, um, all right, well, so to do this in chronological order, I've got Mexico 86. Uh, and I've gone with Gary Lineker's hat-trick against Poland. I've picked a few different things. I've picked a hat-trick, a header, a free kick, and a great goal. Um, I remember get, I remember watching it stand up and waking my mum up because it was probably about 11, 10, 11 o'clock in England at night when this game was playing. And I remember we had to win. You know, like England, England had basically lost to Portugal and drawn with Morocco and Ray Wilkins got set off. Had to win to progress. And Lineker got a hat-trick. Three complete poachers' goals. And he got, I also remember he got his right, his right wrist in a cast yeah, yeah. and... And it was just like fantastic. And then he went on to win the Golden Boot. So I think he was wearing the uh, World Cup B 
boot, classic yeah, World yeah. Cups. Um, USA 94, Letchkoff's diving header, that one, Bulgaria to knock out Germany. Um, I just remember John Motson's um, commentary on it, you know, his high pitch, sort of like, Letchkoff, <laughs> yes, they're in front. <laughs> so, so, uh, that was a winning goal, so it was, yeah. it was like work from a throw in, and he just literally flung himself. He was horizontal, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, it, it was, I was like, it's good that the days of a, of a bolding, like, sort of like uh, player have gone now because they just shave it, yeah. you know, but he yeah. had a big bold patch, you know. <laughs> Um, Beckham free kick against Colombia. Obviously, we talk about Adidas. You know, the probably Zidane yeah. we've mentioned, but Beckham is probably synonymous with the predator um, and his free kick pedigree. And this was really where it all started for him. Was you know France '98 against Colombia. It was his first goal for his country. Hoddle had left him out. Yeah, everyone was crying for him to come in. He comes in, gets his chance. And he didn't, start, he didn't start didn't the first game, did he? No, he, was on, he left start. on the bench. So. And, uh, you know, just to come in and slot that. And obviously that was a precursor to a career of great free kicks. Um, but I'd probably say my, my winner was uh, was probably one of the the best midfield players of, of a generation, which was Lothar Matthias for... Uh, for Germany, and this is the, his second goal against Yugoslavia. I think it's Italian ninety. Mm-hmm. He starts off in his own half, like beats a couple of men, and just strides onto it, and just hits the most beautiful strike that you, that you could ever hit as a central midfielder, running forward, very difficult, and he hits it across the keeper and just flew in. And it's, yeah, I was doing a bit of research for this. Where mm-hmm. I know, but um, five World Cups he played in. Yeah. Yeah. Five consecutive World Cups and four European Championships. Yeah, yeah that's some pedigree that, that guy's got. It, so. it would have been five years, I think, didn't he? He, he missed he, one, he yeah. Missed he one, fell he? Out. No, he missed two. No, he played in Euro 2000 as a 39-year-old. So he played 80, 84, 88, and then missed 92, 96, and came he back. He fell out with, uh, one of the, with the boss in 96, so he wasn't playing. So uh, um, Great stuff. Andy, I'm not sure if I'll be able to top that, but um, my two, well, my two uh, are quite modern, and they both have significance for me because I was uh, at both of the World Cups uh, Mm. that they were scored in. Name name drop them. (laughs) (laughs) And the first one was uh, Lillian Turam's second goal for France against uh, Croatia. Uh, It was one all, and he'd already scored a, a goal. Um, stealing the ball off a player and uh, and slotting it home after a one-two, and this was almost a carbon copy where uh, um, a one-two was played into him as he was marauding forward and he kind of the, the ball was a bit misplaced and he he just basically mugged Robert Yarney, got the ball off him and uh, hit a, an unstoppable kind of left-footed with the inside of his left boot curled in and uh, I just loved his celebrations he was on his knees and he just cut, put his finger up to his uh, up to his lips but but not in a, like one of those shushing motions but it was he was just thinking like that kind of g- Gallic thoughtfulness that uh, if he had a goatee he'd be stroking it and uh, they were his only uh, goals weren't they for France that, yeah. Yeah. He, got, he got a reputation goal. as his goal scorer but the, yeah, only, the, two he the only two he scored and uh, yeah sent his country from 1-0 uh, down to 2-1 up and uh, he into the World Cup that. That's probably why he was probably trying to do that and miss. He was trying to push his glasses I seen up. I a documentary of the, of the French World Cup wins behind the scenes thing, and, and yeah. in every every time, as soon as he gets off the pitch, puts these 
big glasses yeah, on. Yeah, like those Bart Simpson, those really yeah. thick, like medical. <laughs> but the uh, but the best goal for me uh, was scored in the last World Cup, 2006. Um, Esteban Cambiasso yeah. of uh, oh, Argentina no. uh, came on as a sub, uh, didn't actually start the game. And uh, Argentina were only 1-0 up at the time uh, against Serbia-Montenegro in Gelsenkirchen. And it was a 25-pass move, um, ended by uh, Hernan Crespo, who, uh, in his predators as well, backheeled the ball onto an oncoming Cambiasso who smashed the ball into the top of the net. And uh, much like the Motti commentary you were mentioning, uh, uh, Martin Tyler, before the ball had even stopped, it had bounced into the net and was coming out, and he said, that is one of the all-time great World Cup goals. And, and not only for me was that a, a, a fantastic goal, but it, it very much summed up uh, the World Cup experience because I was actually in, in Berlin watching the game in the Sony Centre in the Potsdamer Plaza, just sitting there with a beer and sitting on a table with uh, some other people. We were all kind of packed in and just just got talking to a really nice German couple who'd uh, sent the kids off to school and they'd uh, driven in like 40 minutes into Berlin just to watch a game in a in a big area and uh, we just chatted about life and you know Australian football and German football and you know that very much sums up to me w- what going to the world cup's about is going over and meeting people from different cultures and speaking that kind of universal language of football um, so yeah, whenever I think of that goal, I think of those people that I met, and uh, and, and and it all kind of melts into one. So hopefully Australia can get a similar goal against Serbia this yeah. time around. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be every outfield player touch it as well. It was 25 passes, and I think every yeah. outfield player touched the ball. Mm. It was a phenomenal goal. It was a bit of a false dawn, wasn't it, for Argentina in that tournament? Because after you saw that goal, you just thought they're going to win it. Uh, win that game six 0 five 0 or something. Well, Lionel Messi said, "Trevor, the journalist coming out there, they're going to win it." Yeah, yeah, but Lionel Messi money. said all your money on it. <laughs> they said that they were the, Lionel Messi would obviously say this, but he said that they were the best team in that tournament, um, and they lost on penalties to Germany, didn't they? Where it all kicked familiar off familiar yeah. the, the amount yeah. of great teams that have fallen down to uh, uh, Germany through, penalties. Uh, from penalties. Yeah, I mean like that Dutch team of '74, wasn't it? That, that lost in the final. England in '96. England in '90. Yeah. yeah. Well that's all the time we've got for in that section But join us after the break As we're going to be looking at our all-time Adidas World Cup 11 Uh, Time for some more debate So join us then Adidas has the same passion and fever Since 1970 Adidas has been supplying the official match ball For all FIFA World Cup matches Every victory, every defeat, every emotion Is focused on or created by the ball For every FIFA World Cup Adidas designers aim at devising the perfect ball For the benefit of the participants participating associations and players and to maximise the element of fun and excitement. By using innovative technology and design for the official match ball, Adidas is supporting the FIFA World Cup by creating a unique football experience. And Adidas is a proud partner of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. The 442 World Cup Insider Special, in association with Adidas, proud partners of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast Special Edition, brought to you in association with Adidas. And in this section, we're going to be looking at our all-time World Cup Adidas 11. We've been going back through the archives, digging into the photo crates, uh, checking out that all our players are wearing the three stripes which we can now confirm. And uh, none of us know what 
uh, the others have picked. So we're just going to kind of do a reveal, and there'll be gasps of shock and joy. Um, so lads, go stop looking at my team. I think you've stolen my <laughs> keeper. Who's your keeper? Oh, my keeper's really near yeah, boring. It's Bartes. Because you, have you got Banks or a question mark? Then? No, that's Bartes with a question mark. Oh, right. Only because, you I, just, oh. Only, only because I couldn't think of anyone better, but he did oh. win a World Cup. Oh, I can't believe you. Go on, then. All right, so I've got Fabian Bartes as my goalkeeper. Why? Why? He was pretty... For a shaky goalkeeper, he was pretty solid in that World Cup in 98. Um, obviously, we'll try and forget 2002. But World Cup winning goalkeeper... Um, a phenomenally talented keeper, I think, yeah, Bartos, he? he did have a couple of good defenders in front of him. Obviously, Laurent Blanc kissing his little bald head before every game kind of helped, and Marcel Desailly and Turam in defence. But yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the guys I've got in front of him. I reckon I can live with Bartes in goal. Andy? Right, I've gone for someone, see if you can guess. Harold Schumacher? No. <laughs> someone, although he is German. Yeah. Made 536 appearances for Bayern Munich. Oh, 95 no, appearances for Germany. No? I nearly had carnage. He was only six foot for keeper, which wasn't uh, Four consecutive World Cups. Um, he won the World Cup, European Championship, the European Cup three times. He was German champion four times. Won the German Cup four times. Cup winners cup once. Only ever played for one club. And he was three-time German Football of the Year as a keeper. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Sepp Meyer. Ah, good yeah. shout. That's my number one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Can't argue with that. I just remember him when I was growing up. He was he was the keeper. Yeah. yeah like in the seventies and just massive hands. Even though he was only six foot, mm. so had these huge hands. Did he wear gloves or did, was he like barehanded? One of those. No, I think he was goals. in that phase where gloves ca- sort of came in. And yeah. This is the, so yeah, so I think it was it was that period. Maybe that's why his hands suddenly look so big. Yeah. Because normally keepers. Didn't have gloves, so suddenly had these big gloves. But yeah. Trev? Very good keeper. World Cup winner. Yeah. England's Gordon Banks. Yeah. Just a general, general winner. You know, great agility, you know, famous for that uh, for that Pele save. But you know, there's a bit on uh, on him in the magazine, our magazine coming out uh, next month. And, you know, he was just one of those guys that was just born to win games. But he even lost an eye or lost sight of an eye in a car accident and still managed to resume his career afterwards mm. you know you're good when you can lose sight in one of your eyes and still maintain still your career play. Yeah. yeah that's not bad um, central defenders I've gone for uh, Dirk Heiser Franz Beckenbauer yeah and uh, Bobby Moore oh um, it's the in, same <laughs> in, in, in the centres so is that who you've gone for that's what I've gone for yeah, yeah. I think it's difficult to look I'll, I'll let you do your reasons I'm first no then. no I, again I just don't think that there's two better central defenders ever what class um, though Do you, yeah. make, you can imagine just you know them passing the ball out of the back and the anticipation the strike, you know they'll be cutting out balls before the strikers know exactly what you know they're planning to do yeah. with it yeah. you know and you, you don't need a brute in that back two because they were good enough to stay on their feet and win the ball and pass the ball out and considering the players that were undoubtedly going to name in front of us in terms of the passing ability those two at the backs I do that's all you need Andy's shaking his head I reckon he's, no, he's got a couple else. of brutes I no, bet. no I'm actually playing I'm actually playing 3-5-2 oh so I've got I've got Beckerbauer yeah. sweeping um, but I've got him sweeping behind Fernando Hierro yep. Real Madrid um 439 appearances for Real Madrid. He scored 102 goals. Yeah, but what for Spain? You know, Real Madrid did 89 appearances for Spain, three Champions League wins, five Spanish leagues, one Spanish Cup. Uh, Marcel Desailly. Yep. Yeah, can't I get it. Centre back. 
again, yeah, 116 appearances for France, two Champions League wins, Serie A, won a World Cup, European Championships, two Confederations Cups. So they've been my back three. Good shout. Uh, full-backs, or in Andy's case, like kind of wing-backs, or whatever you want to call them. Um, Trevor, you want to go first? Because I didn't put much thought into this one, I have to say. I was too busy thinking about my attacking boys. That's, that's so, the thing when you do these lineups. Yeah, you're so I, tempted I, to I end up with four. I only went three at the back, so I can overload in, in yeah. the attacking midfield. Well, I'll tell you quickly, I've gone for Turam and Lizarazu. Um, distinctly French feel. I know, it's quite strange, isn't it? <laughs> Again, probably I think I was a little bit... Uh, I couldn't really think past 98... But the, again, two two sort of like Lizarazu hard as nails. Not much went past him in that tournament. Uh, obviously, a bit of a legend with Bayern Munich, and uh, you know won pretty much everything you could in football. I think he was still part of that team in Euro 2000 that won that as well. And now um, some sort of kickboxing, yeah, karate of champion, champion like now, champ, yeah, yeah. And Lillian Turan for reasons I mentioned before, uh, his ability to score those good goals, and uh, you know again solid defensively, but. Uh, Let's see if you probably put a little bit more thought into it than me on those ones, lads. I was thinking, you know, as I was doing this, that the the guys that are remembered as great fullbacks are the ones that could attack as well. You know, mm-hmm. a fullback that could just defend. You know, people forget about. But I've got Lizarazu as well, actually. But I've got who I mentioned earlier, Carlos Alberto on the yeah. right. Um, I just imagine those two bombing forward because I'm playing a four-four-two. So you know, those two on the overlap, and it makes up the back four and my goalkeeper all World Cup winners. So that that's what I wanted. I wanted a, a winning mentality oh, at the back. That. That's what I got. So I've got no fullbacks. Because <laughs> with, the back, with the pack three of Beckenbauer, Desai, and uh, and Hiera, I didn't think I needed them. Need so em. I've got Beckham wide on the right. You're like um, you're like Diego Maradona. Yeah, just I, like, you know, I just want the. Di- I've got Beckham wide on the right, um, and wide on the left, I've got Lionel Messi. Obviously. So they're your wing backs. They're my they're my <laughs> wide players. Wide <laughs> players. Both of them work hard. Beckham, very underrated in defence. Did work very hard. Um, yeah. but I'm I'm not going out to defence. I'm going out to attack. It's my dream team. So Beckham will supply quality into the box and obviously set pieces. Um Messi, we know about Messi, the best player in the world. Right now, um just get the ball to his feet and don't worry about defending. Yeah. Like it. I'm I'm playing a uh, we'll look at the midfield now and I'm kind of playing a bit of a uh, well not even a pin for bake I'm playing a four one one two two or something like that it's 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 revolutionary these teams have got no structure you've been chatting no. to Miron yeah exactly <laughs> um, and I've got one holding uh, defensive midfielder because um, I think my defenders will be good enough and that's Lothar Mateus I'll be, I was going to say I'll be very surprised if all of us haven't got him uh, for the reasons that you mentioned before all the World Cups he's played in the longevity the, 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 the way that he changed himself as a player as he got older he yeah. went from a kind of uh, he ended up sweeper yeah sweeper. yeah. he just moved further and further back and still managed like to do, to do <laughs> his job started off as a striker yeah. ended um, up as a keeper yeah mine's been going backwards as well just, yeah. just in front of Mateus I've got uh, Zidane uh, no, you have to. Got to yeah. have Zidane in. It's there. always compulsory. Uh, and, and strangely ironic that um, that the man scored both winning both goals in the World Cup with his head, when he's yeah. so known for for what he can do with his feet. And then sitting just in front of the the strikers, uh, either side, uh, Zico and Platini. Oh yeah, I forgot about Platini. Yeah. So um, I, Zico I was the, Zico was the player that I always used to love when I was growing up. 
the 82 World Cup yeah. and uh, he was fantastic his free kick ability and the way he just played in the middle of the park with that kind of heavy looking cotton shirt that they used to the Brazilians yeah. wore then and Platini again in, in that um, in that World Cup was fantastic um, scored scored loads of goals in, in, in that tournament and uh, yeah I don't think you can look past uh, those those boys there uh, midfield for you lot um, I'll start in the centre and it's it's a very similar look I've got uh, Lothar Mateus who's going to sit back a little bit dictate the pace pick up those balls from Beckenbauer and more then I've got Zidane who's going to obviously push forward more attacking now right and left I've balanced perfectly and this is one of the reasons why my team's the best is I've gone for Beckham on the right as well mm-hmm. you know deadly from set pieces great with the crosses and particularly one of the guys I've got up front is going to be important but because I had Beckham on the right I needed a genuine left winger someone yeah. who could you know dribble get a players hug, hug the touchline and he's looking he's, he's not he, a West Ham player is it you've got two on the West Ham player no no George, no. George Cohen it is someone that I probably am going to have to explain a little bit go but, on uh, Robert Rensenbrink now, oh, of uh, Holland. Yes, yeah. 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 He was he was you know kind of lived in Cruyff's um, shadow for a little bit because he played in that total football team. But a natural dribbler, natural left winger, and you know was brilliant at the '74 World Cup and was nearly top scorer at the '78 World Cup. And I just think that with Beckham on the right, you know, he's pinging in those balls. Beckham's a great player, but he didn't necessarily take on players. And <clears throat> your squad ends up being, your team ends up being too similar. So I wanted someone to run at people, and that's exactly what Renson Brink will be. It's me with Beckham and Messi. Is that the same logic? Yeah. yeah. Not wasting Messi over in the left a little bit, though? No. Nah, a little lost over by the no, touchline, though? No, because I had, uh, in my midfield, I've obviously got a midfield three with a two and a one in front. I've got Zidane and Mateus for all the reasons. So, but then just in front of him, I've got Kaka mm-hmm. you know, as an attacking mid. Yeah, so you've got I think, nice balance to it. Nice shape. Diamonds all over the park. Messi coming in, exchanging yeah. passes with Kaka, getting it back, interchanging. I'm worried about my team. You know, think if I've got Rensing Brink, Lizarazu on the overlap, you've got no one back there. You're all over the place. Kaiser will just sweep it up. I like. I like. It. Will, it, will, will Kaka wear our I belong to Jacko team? Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> you picked him. Absolutely, that'd be quite nice. Yeah, I'll and insist on it. We'll, we'll look at the strikers now. And uh, my my two strikers are distinctly uh, Tottenham flavour to Ooh. my to my striking boys, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann and Gary Lineker. Oh, I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the same. Um, I just think of Klinsmann just like all the way through from you know pretty much when I started watching football and World Cups. He was he was almost always there. Um, you know, knocking the ball in. You know, a lot of energy. Um, maybe known for for a bit of diving uh, here and there and histrionics, in, especially in World Cups. Um, but but Gary Lineker as well, just like a, a, a great goal poacher, and and probably you could go for Gerd Müller, the the all-time yeah, World Cup scorer, that, yeah. before He's Ronaldo that, beat him. But um, yeah, just uh, for me personally, I think it's it's got to be old links. Do you have very similar goal scoring records in, uh, in Lineker and Klinsmann when I was doing the research? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lineker got 243 goals in, in his league career for Leicester, Everton, Barcelona, Spurs and Grampus 8. Um, and Klinsman got 238. So there's only five goals different. Stuttgart, oh. Inter, Monaco, Spurs and Bayern. And at international level, Lineker got 48 goals and Klinsman got 47. Wow. So in their whole career, they were only six goals apart from each other. I bet um, uh, Klinsman was more yellow cards ahead, though. Yeah, Klinsman actually made more appearances at both. So he made so Lineker actually better. had a better conversion rate. Yeah. Um, 
So you, you went for you went for the same. I went for Klinsmann and Lineker. Yeah, because I wanted I wanted a bit of a target man in Klinsmann and Lineker, more sort of you know fox in the box. The, yeah, fox in yeah. the box. So, and I know what Trey Trev's got up front. And I, I think they're a bit. I think they're a bit lightweight. They're a bit short. Are you going Not for? That's bomber. Gerd, Gerd Müller would be my target man. Brilliant in the air. Get those Beckham crosses in. And then I've got Messi. You can drop back, link up with Zidane and uh, Rensin Brink over on the left. Yeah, I mean, incredible goal scoring <laughs> record at a World Cup level. M and M. M and M. Yeah. Miller and Messi. That's <laughs> what they'd be known as. Oh, okay. Not yeah, the rapper. You could, you could sell T-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's so I'm thinking of the marketing as well. But yeah, I just think my team's got a better balance to you two, really. Yeah. Anyone that you feel should have been, you know, anyone on your bench? I, I, I got to give a nod out to Fritz Walter, uh, 1954 uh, World Cup winning captain, scored a goal every other game, uh, both for his club and uh, for um, his country. And he was the uh, the guy instrumental in the miracle of Bern in '54 when the uh, Hungarian team went two 0 up and uh, uh, the Germans uh, stormed back. And uh, Kaiserslautern's stadium is named after him. So yeah, he's a, he's a legendary German. He's a, he's an honorary captain as well. They have five honorary German captains, and he's one of them. Uh, so I, I think him. Uh, would be my uh, first sub off the bench. Anyone that uh, you feel didn't make it? Just after what you're saying, Platini, I think would. Yeah, Platini. Pra- I was player. Muller was close for me. Ag and Tyler was close for me. Bayern Munich mm. centre back sweepers. I remember when Villa won the uh, European Cup in '82. He was in the Bayern Munich side. So yeah. Yeah. Well, make sure you uh, log on to our website. Uh, the link uh, off this podcast, and uh, make sure you uh, join in the forums and let us know who we left out, or if you think that we're uh, completely uh, stupid in who we chose, uh, and tell us if you've actually heard of the players that Trevor selected. Um, join us after the break. It's an education with me. That's what. Join us after the break as we'll be looking at the top five Adidas players to watch in the World Cup. Uh, our Impact Five as well, and we're going to look at an African player each. Uh, because the World Cup's in Africa. See you then. Adidas is the number one football brand in the world and has been inspired by football ever since the 1920s. The company, founded by Adi Dazzler, has spent over 80 years meeting and exceeding the needs of footballers on the pitch. This dedication to the sport and its close relationships with athletes and teams enabled Adidas to become an integral part of the history, the present and the future of football. And Adidas is a proud partner of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. The 442 World Cup Insider Special, in association with Adidas, proud partners of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. Hello and welcome back to the this special edition of the 442 World Cup Insider Podcast, in association with Adidas. And now we're going to have a look at the uh, Big Five. So what we did there, the uh, the game park, Big Five animals and Big Five the game hunters players. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, the big five in the World Cup, Adidas players. It's a wealth of players to choose from. But guys, tell us. Uh, we, we've had a look at uh, the best ones. Tell us. Our, tell us who the big five are. Who's the giraffe? Quite I don't know. Sure, actually, some of the big five. Don't know if it's a giraffe, but yeah. I, I, I put it obviously top of the pile. It would be Lionel Messi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fantastic club career still. So young, phenomenal goal-scoring record for for who you know what is an attacking midfielder. You wouldn't classify him as centre forward, 
Well, Trev might, but you know, not everyone plays him out of position. Um, He's playing there for Barca, though, isn't he? The centre no, of the three. Yes, he has. He has. You reckon attacking midfielder? I'd just call him an attacking, yeah, midfielder, mm. either playing it just behind in the hole or wide and cutting in. Because they're playing. Barcelona have been playing them at the front of the three, even even when they had Thierry Henry. Because that was a controversy. They didn't even bring in Henry. They'd sooner play Messi in the middle. Anyway, we can argue <laughs> about where he's playing. The yeah. fact of the matter is, is that he's bloody good, and you know, and, and this is his World Cup. You know, he's going into the World Cup as. You know, most people's choice is the best player in the world, but to make that, you know, jump from being a really, really good player to being a great player, as we were talking about picking our all-time sides, we're, we're dealing with World Cups, not European Cups and league titles. Mm. So I think you know this is his chance. He's going to get probably another two, maybe three World Cups, but you know this would probably be the one where he's going in at his peak. You know, he's got Maradona, you know. Formerly best player in the world as, as his coach. Whether Maradona can get the best out of him is yet to be proved. And I was going to say the argument about where he actually plays is probably the most important one yeah. because it's where Maradona dis- chooses to utilise him, where he's, uh, you know, where he sees his strengths are, and maybe Maradona's view of what Messi's strengths are for the team is not the same as how he plays for Barcelona. That's yeah. going to be the that's the big question mark, isn't it, when everyone talks about Messi? Well, it's fitting everyone in as well. He he's, got, Barcelona. he's got a good headache, hasn't he? Because he's got, you know, Tevez, Messi, um, Higuain, Higuain uh, Milito. Milito's been in great form. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's uh, son-in-law as well, yeah? Aguero. Yeah, he's son-in-law. I mean, trying to get all those guys in one team's a, a big challenge and you probably need a... That's why he's playing four centre-backs. Yeah. Right, we'll just have four at the back. That's the old Brazil way, isn't it? Yeah, until took over, it was very much right. We've got four defensive players and six attacking players, and work mm. it out for yourself. But there's been a lot of talk of the similarities with '86 when Maradona won the World Cup for Argentina, qualified poorly. Um, you know, the squad w- was good, but had one standout player. This mm. time, it's Messi, and they went on to win it. And there's a very good column. Again, let's plug our magazines. A very good column by um, Simon Cookton in the upcoming issue where he talks about how geniuses win World Cups because he makes a point about Argentina. You know, once they'll get through the group, which you expect them to, and their round of 16, you know, it's the quarters where it really starts heating up. And realistically, quarters, semi final, it's only three games. You know, Messi only has to turn it on for three games. Yeah. It could be three moments of Messi genius in three separate games and they win the World Cup, and he's capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, another South American uh, from uh, just across the border, if they are in fact attached, I think they are. Um, the Brazilian. This isn't a jump feeling. Like yeah, this this is a, is a that's people. why we publish a football magazine. People are going to Google. Um, Paul's, Kaka. Paul's application as a freelancer for Nat Geo has just been turned down. Damn. <laughs> um, Kaka. Uh, you picked him as uh, in your team, is that right? Yeah, I, you know he's coming off a uh, lot to prove. He's coming off uh, an indifferent season, first season at Real Madrid, having been you know top dog at uh, AC Milan, um, and I think that could be just the spur he needs to go to the World Cup and dominate. Um, he's certainly got the ability, and you know he is, you know, one of those. Great examples of you know the classic sort of modern footballer. You know, quick, good brain, two good feet, can shoot from distance, can play. You know that link between you know, attack, midfield and attack. And you know, we talk about the importance of counter attacking. He's got the ability and the vision to drive Brazil forward. So it's a massive World Cup for him because again, you know, he's going in there as as the star man. Mm. 
Trev, um, another player in the big five, uh, Spanish striker. Little David Villa. <laughs> Little David Villa. Yeah. Um, now signed with uh, Barcelona. Yep. Um, Massive fan of this guy. Yeah. And a great little tickler underneath his. Uh, <laughs> One of the reasons I like him so much. Yeah, him and Lucas, um, they'd be like Velcro if they're <laughs> touched, wouldn't they? They'd never be able to get away. Um, you can't question his goal scoring record. You know, he was the top scorer at uh, you know, Euro 2008 and he, he missed the final for injury, didn't he? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just, he's been scoring, you know, regular every season, getting up to the 20 goal mark over in the Liga. You know, Spain's greatest ever goal scorer. I'm not sure if he is yet, or he's certainly well on his way, you know. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting how Barcelona fit him into that team, but how mm. he works with, with Spain up front with Torres is um, is ideal, really. He kind that, of softens the blow of Torres's injury, doesn't he, somewhat? You know, yeah, he's, yeah, I, I yeah, think he's either one of those two, and you yeah. know, you'd say those two are in the, the top five strikers in the world. You mentioned having both of them up front. Yeah. Well, he's sort of yeah, he's sort of been in Torres's shadow a little bit since Torres went to Liverpool. Not not because of his performances on the pitch, but just because Liverpool are a much bigger club than Valencia in terms of global sort of exposure. Um, and obviously Villa now going to Barcelona is going to certainly even that up. So I think we'll really see um, Villa over the next few years getting the credit he deserves mm. and the, for the quality of the player that he is. Yeah. Now another, uh, the, the fourth in our big five, uh, England player. And uh, probably after Wayne Rooney, the, the, the player that, that they will rely on to be playing, you know, the, the, the team will go how he goes, is Steven Gerrard. Um, there's talk about him moving back into the centre with Gareth Barry's injury and uh, but you, you really want him uh, moving forward and uh, and driving the team forward and uh, being involved in that last third don't you with mm. uh, with these abilities Trev I think he'd be chomping at the bit after the season he's had at Liverpool because mm. it, it was you know disappointing by his standards pretty was disappointed by a lot of players standards but you know when the previous season he got 20 plus goals in the league and I think he only got nine this this time round but you know that all goes out the window when you go in an international environment because it's a totally different team in your different location and different mindset, so there's no reason why he couldn't go there and end up being the best player at the tournament. It's just yeah, you know how to use him. Um, Capello's used him on the left, cutting in, um, which we've seen a lot of teams doing. Is, is using players with the, the naturalised foot on the opposite side. But his link-up play with Rooney's been brilliant, and um, they're going to need him firing to to get mm. anywhere in England. I think. Yeah. And and Andy, the last in the big five, uh, no conversation be complete without uh, an Aussie in there, and. Uh, Obviously, the Adidas connection with Tim Cahill, uh, aware of the Predator X boots. And um, I can't think of another team in the World Cup which relies on a player more. Um, there, there are others who, who might rely on them just as much. You know, maybe Messi would be and Rooney in England uh, comes to mind. Pinar at, Pinar at South Africa. Maybe. But really, you know, we're a different team without Tim Cahill, aren't we? And, yeah. and and what he brings to the table, and it's, you know, it's a big World Cup for Tim Cahill as well, you know, because certainly he his game over the last four years has improved immeasurably. You know, he is now. You'd probably say if you spoke to David Moyes, I'd probably say David Moyes would say he's probably, you know, alongside probably Mikel Arteta, Everton's most important player as well. You know, and they've just he's just signed a new contract there for four years, which we talked about in that, in our podcast last week. Is a real sign that everything's good in Tim's life because most footballers would say well hang on a minute I'm just going to a World Cup I could end up with a much better offer after the World Cup but he obviously loves it at Everton mm -hmm. they love him so I, I guess you know he's going there with nothing to prove to his club side he's not playing for a, a move elsewhere maybe that freedom and that lack of pressure 
um, will let us see the best out of him. But certainly he's overtaken, in most people's eyes, Harry Kill as Australia's most important player. And you'd probably say if if Cahill was out and Kill was fit, most people would say Australia would prefer it the other way around mm. um, because it's very difficult to see where the goals are going to come from if not from, from Cahill. And that's our uh, Adidas Big Five, Lionel Messi, Kaká, David Villa, Tim Cahill and Steven Gerrard. Um, guys, I want to talk now about the, your impact player. Um, if you can tell us who you think is going to make an impact. I'm, I'm going to chuck my hat in the ring first and going to say uh, Josie Altidore, the uh, striker from the USA. Um, and he better make an impact after uh, uh, cornering David Beckham at a recent LA Lakers game and telling Bex that he thinks uh, the USA are going to win 3 0 uh, without him. Uh, so showing that, um, that usual humbleness that Americans show in every aspect <laughs> yeah, of their exactly, lives. Yeah. And they'll have to play um, a hell of a lot better than he did at home <laughs> yeah. as well. Because, uh, you know, um, Dowie was very critical of, of how he was training there, but he's still young. He's only 20, isn't he? So yeah, so he's probably most talent. famous for playing in that 5 4 game when Beckham uh, uh, played for the Galaxy and the New York Red Bulls uh, when uh, Angel scored that final goal. Yeah. And Altidore scored two there, and he's come over to the Premier League. And as you said, not not done it on a consistent basis, but has shown flashes. Has sh- yeah. has on loan, flashes. He? He's on loan at Hull from is it he's Villarreal. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah. He's actually contracted to. So. Yeah. but you know and, he, uh, he broke in at MLS when I think he was seventeen, and he was mm. you know bullying defenders then. You know, big strong player, and he's only twenty now, and it's going to take him a while to get up to scratch with some of the other guys. But with some of the attacking players he's got around him, like uh, Landon Donovan. <laughs> Um, you know, with Clint his, Dempsey, Clint Dempsey yeah, with his soccer ball assists, um, I, I think Altidore could uh, could be one to watch. Well, that opening game, I mean, certainly having had the season he's had in the Premier League, he'll go into that game knowing what he's going to be up against, yeah. and with, yeah. with little fear. Um, and we've talked about it before. You know, I, I think that game is a massive potential banana skin for England. Mm. Who's your impact player then? Um, I've gone for someone that um, sort of. Had a fleeting uh, in the Premier League with Liverpool, which is Mark Gonzalez for Chile. Um, Probably the worst player we've ever put on the cover of Australian <laughs> Football 2. Yeah. I have to hold Didn't my make much of an impact, did he? <laughs> yeah. but, and interestingly, uh, there's another angle here, which is why I'm telling you, is that he could have played for South Africa. He could yeah. have been South Africa's top player. He was born in Durban, whilst his father, Raul, was a professional there playing for Durban. Bushbucks in the 80s. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Bushbucks, they were great. <laughs> Still really got the good. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he came over to Liverpool with big billing. As you say, he was on, you know, he was on the cover of 442 and um, just never really made the impact. He's since gone um, to Rail Sociedad, Rail Betis, and is now at CSK in Moscow. Mm. Yeah, I mean, was it six clubs and he's only 25? And he's yeah. going to Chile, Spain, England, Russia. Yeah. But again, every, every World Cup, you know. Someone appears on the radar that, that either wasn't there before or has been forgotten about, and I think, you know, Chile a, a play play good football, good attacking football. I think he's got the opportunity to to show and, and certainly get some support from the from the home crowd. Mm. Trev, impact player. I mentioned him earlier, Stephen Pinar. Uh, Pinar. Pinar. <laughs> Have to say his name like that. I don't yeah, know why. We do it now. <laughs> it's, it's an office thing. Yeah. Um, he just won Everton's Player of the Year. Yeah. Um, so you know those, those guys rate him there. Um, highly, I suppose his future's under a little bit of a cloud because he's got a year to go. Unlike Cahill, he hasn't signed a new contract. He might, do, he's probably going to do it after the World Cup. But Tottenham have 
been interested, um, you know, with the Champions League. Because they're like anyone with braided hair, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he must anyone be good. Like, anyone with braided hair or sort of cropped eyebrows, they're in. <laughs> we'll have him, he'll fit in. Hip-hop Harry, yeah, he loves he it. Yeah, he can do and Lennon, <laughs> down, like, cutting each other's eyebrows. Um, Liverpool and Bayern are sniffing round him as well, um, and he's, he's South Africa's best player by a long distance. Yeah. And Which isn't saying much, but... No, no, yeah, I mean, quite, but... You know, Benny McCarthy might fight you in the car park over that. But, yeah. He probably will fight me in a car park, but <laughs> if I run away, I'm pretty sure he won't better catch me. <laughs> um, so, you know, they really need him on fire. I mean, I suppose the, the one part of his game that he'd want to up is, is his goals. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's got nearly 50 South African caps. He's only grabbed two goals, and he's got a cracking goal for Everton only this season, that little lob. But yeah, if, yeah. He, if he could get a few more goals, um, then, you know, he'd be an even better player, obviously. Yeah, like every player would be a better player if they score more goals. Yeah, that's good. Good point, well made. Uh, And last uh, last subject, we're going to have a look at an African player, Adidas African player, um, because the World Cup's in Africa, obviously. Andy, um, who have you gone for? I've got a little 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 pub quiz here. Oh, here we go. Have we got to guess who it is? No, 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 Newcastle, Nigeria. No, yeah, yeah. I've gone for (laughs) Omer Femi Martins. Yeah. He's currently at Wolfsburg. Mm-hmm. He's played for Newcastle and, and Inter before that. Yep. How old would you say he is? Oh, no one knows how old their players are. How old would you say he is? It feels like he's been around for a while. Yeah. I bet he's only 26. I was going to say 28. 25. Oh, you'd guess joking. how tall he is. Six foot one? Six three. Five foot seven. Bloody five foot seven. Astonishing. Like, he's kind of got a really stocky guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, shot. 25, five foot seven. Um, he's not 25. <laughs> no, no Nigeria way. players stay 25 for about five yeah. years, though, don't they? Yeah. Hey, Obafemi in the Yoruba language <laughs> literally <laughs> means the king loves me, which I loved. I was doing the a little research. The king loves me? Yeah. That's cool. So he scored for 16 goals in 31 appearances for Nigeria, 20 shabby, better than a goal a game. Um, club level averages a goal every three games. And Nigeria are just one of those sides that you know, they always seem to underperform a bit at the yeah. World Cup. But, you know, on paper, they've got a lot of good players. World Cup's in Africa. Maybe that'll be the spark. And I think that if he's one of those guys that is capable, as we saw for Newcastle, fleetingly, of being able to win a game on his own. Just one moment, mm. bang, balls can, in the net. He can bully defences, oh, can't he? Yeah. yeah, and he's got such a strike on him. Um, so, yeah, so I've gone for Martins. As Great stuff. I've gone for uh, Ghana's John Pansil. Um, who in the Jabulani language, his surname means pants on a windowsill. Um, <laughs> What's the, the Jabulani language as well? Yeah, it's, that's the ball. That means to celebrate. It might be. It might, it might be completely made up. You'll never know. You'll just have to look it up. But pants on a windowsill. And John means loved by oranges. Um, but anyway, moving on. He's uh, he's had a quite a, a, a big career. He's moved around. He's won the um, Israeli League. Um, with Maccabi Tel Aviv, and uh, got recommended to West Ham by Yossi Benayoun, who uh, knew that West Ham needed a right back. So he, he John Pansel played every game in the 06 World Cup for Ghana, and then uh, joined West Ham. 
had two very average uh, seasons there before moving to Fulham. What well, normally happens at West Ham, sign players, they have a great season, sell them on and they become really good after. <laughs> but what I'm really interested in is what John has had to say to Australian 442 exclusively in this issue um, about playing Australia. And he said uh, the ideal scenario would be to go out there and beat Australia 3-0 and then just put a bit of a show on for the crowd. I've been laughing at Schwarzer, who's his teammate in Fulham, that he will pick up three balls from his net, and all jokes aside, he knows we are capable. We will beat Australia 3-0. That's how I've written it in my head, at least. What's funny about that is that we'd spoken to Schwarzer about the situation the other way around. Have you, you, know, have you been winding up Panto? And he's like, no, no, I've no, had any discussions. No banter at all. He's like, yeah, yeah I've told him. <laughs> been winding up that Aussie so much. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, let's see if we can uh, make, him, make him eat some humble pie um, come the World Cup. So, Who have you chosen, Trev? Um, final player yeah it's, it, it's a Chelsea guy Salomon Kalou who's going to be playing for the Ivory Coast um, he's one of those players that has really come on for Chelsea in the last couple of years because um, you know when he signed back in 2006 he was sort of in and out of the team and I, th- I think a lot of people weren't sure about him but at the time you know Mourinho signed and Mourinho really liked him um, and it was when Hiddink came in at the end of the previous season that Hiddink really liked him as well and he started getting a little bit more game time um, he got a new three-year deal and this season I think he's, he's come to the fore a little bit um, you know especially in those those Chelsea thrashings they handed out they got a goal against your lot Andy didn't they Villa and I think you got a yeah, hat-trick one of, one of to erase that from my yeah. memory thanks oh Jeff. yeah don't forget yeah. that and he got a hat-trick against Stoke and he got a goal against Wigan the last game of the season and flat track bully yes that was going to be the next <laughs> thing I was going to say he might have to start proving you know he can score against the other sides, mind you, you know, Villa are up there, aren't they? But he's got a good scoring record at international level, um, 11 goals in 27 caps, but I did look at the teams he'd scored against and it was Madagascar and teams like that. So it'd be interesting to see how, how he goes at the World Cup, but playing up front with Drogba, who he's going to know well from his Chelsea. Mm. Do you know what Chelsea. Salomon Kalou means in, in, the, uh, in the language? Javulani. In no, the Javulani language? You know, are you going to tell me? No, I was wondering if you did. We, uh, we both did a bit of research, mate. I thought you might have joined us on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. Um, well, that's all the time we've got for in this uh, special edition of the World Cup Insider podcast. Um, brought to you by Adidas. Make sure you check out their um, very flash Facebook page, which is at facebook.com forward slash Adidas football. And, uh, yeah, buy our magazine next Wednesday, which has an interview with a player from every team, uh, an Adidas player from every team taking part in the World Cup and uh, some very good pictures to go along with that, so uh, thanks to Adidas for all their help with this and uh, we'll see you very soon thanks for listening. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.